Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about education funding in Arizona. We'll break down competing plans and what they may mean for you and your kids. In the spring of 2018, tens of thousands of Arizona teachers walked out of their classrooms and headed to the state capitol to demand pay raises and extra funding for schools. So I think that we deserve, you know, better funding, better uh, supplies, just and better pay. All we're asking is to restore the funding we had 10 years ago. The Red for Ed movement shut down several schools, leaving students in limbo and their parents scrambling to make arrangements. The weeks-long movement ended with Governor Doug Ducey signing legislation allocating nearly $273 million to teacher pay raises. He called it the 20 by 2020 plan. This will result in a net pay increase of 20% by the beginning of school year 2020. By July, Arizona education leaders had a plan to get more money for schools. The previous Invest in Ed Education Act gathered more than 270,000 signatures from voters in support. But for technical and super complicated legal reasons, the Arizona Supreme Court kicked it off the ballot just months before the election. Well, voters will not decide this issue. Invest in Ed, the proposal to tax high-income earners to fund education, it is not going to be on the November ballot. But education advocates are not deterred. They held a press conference just before the governor's State of the State address last week, and during that conference, they announced their plan for a new ballot initiative addressing education funding. We will end the teacher exodus. There's money to lower class size. There's money to provide supports uh, by hiring counselors and social workers and all the other specialists that address very particular needs of our students. Here to talk about that effort with us is education reporter Lily Altavena. Thanks for having me. It seems like we've been having a very long conversation about the state of education funding here in Arizona. Why? Absolutely. I mean, even before Red for Ed protests in multiple states, including Arizona, sparked a national conversation about education funding, we were having this conversation. And a lot of different issues are wrapped up in school funding. You know, you have the need for school counselors, mental health issues. That takes money. A lot of Arizona schools are aging at the same pace, so they all need, you know, money to fix their roofs. And then there's the teacher shortage, which teachers say they need a pay raise to start recruiting and retaining teachers. Okay, so you were at the news conference where the education leaders again announced they were pursuing an invest in education ballot measure. What are they proposing this time and how is that different than the 2018 effort? So similar to the 2018 effort, they're proposing a tax on Arizonans with high incomes. The proposal would raise about $940 million a year compared to $690 million a year in the 2018 proposal. This year's proposal is structured a little differently, likely to avoid the issues that the Supreme Court raised. Okay, so high income earners, what does that mean? 
So that's really the top 1% of people who file um, taxes in the state of Arizona. So it's not a lot of people. In fact, the vast majority of people wouldn't be affected by this tax surcharge, as they're calling it. The top 1% of earners in Arizona, the ones who will be subject to this surcharge, will still pay a lower effective tax rate than 25 other states and lower state income taxes than the national average. Okay, so we believe only the wealthiest Arizonans would have to pay. How would the money be used? Most of it would go to teacher salaries or support staff salaries. So you would see bumps for counselors, bumps for teachers, um, you know, even bumps for basically anyone working for a school. And those really are the most noticeable areas that parents and grandparents encounter and connect with their schools on a daily basis, right? Right. You would see the revolving door of teachers hopefully lessen. Okay. So I think you just kind of uh, hinted at this, but why do advocates for this kind of uh, plan think this is necessary? Well, so for a long time, education advocates have said, basically since the recession, that the state has underfunded education. So in 2008, we were funding education about 5,800 per pupil. And that number changes depending on, you know, which number you take. Um, in, in 2019, we we're at about 5,500 and we're still under that 2008 number. Basically, what that means is we're not spending as much per student as we were before the recession. Now that could change soon. The governor's office estimates that we could pass those 2008 funding levels in the 2022 budget year. But essentially, it boils down to the teacher shortage. At the beginning of the school year, 20% of teacher positions were vacant. And that means a lot of classrooms, even classrooms where your kid could be, are led by long-term substitutes. A superintendent even told me recently it's hard to teach kids with no teachers. And schools have had to get creative, like putting a student teacher in front of the classroom by themselves. Okay, so a bigger salary bump could coax some students to, or excuse me, some teachers to stay in the state and in the classroom. But do you think Arizonans can really stomach a tax increase? So in, in polling, Arizonans have seemed open to a tax increase for education, but still resistant to an income tax increase. And there are you know, different, a few different funding streams that have already come from voter-approved measures. So you've got $667 million comes in from Prop 301, which is a 0.6 cent sales tax. Some GOP state lawmakers even want to bump that up to a penny, so we could see that on the ballot. There's Prop 123 funds, um, and that in 2016 increased funds from the state land trust to go to education by $172 million. So the total incoming from the state land trust is about $259 million. We talked to Doug Ducey last week, and not surprisingly, he criticized this effort. Uh, he said that there wasn't a need for new taxes, especially when the state is operating on a surplus. And he kind of dismissed this as part of the spending lobby that is never going to be satisfied. They once said, no matter what the governor does, we are going to go to the ballot to hike taxes. What is the governor proposing in lieu of this idea? So Arizona has seen a pretty sizable cash infusion in schools since 2018. And the governor has a few plans going for education spending. In 2018, he promised to raise teacher salaries 20% by 2020. 
The final 5% is supposed to be included in the upcoming budget. So theoretically, in the last two years, teacher salaries have been bumped by 20%. Now, that ranges depending on, you know, what school or district the teacher works at. Um, he also said that he'll restore additional assistance funding to pre-recession levels. And additional assistance is just a fancy word for flexible funding. So that's like textbooks, even school repairs, minor ones. Um, there's school safety money, and he just announced $38 million more to the school safety program. So that means more school counselors, more school resource officers, which are on-campus police officers, and more social workers. In addition, an even larger investment in school counselors, cops on campus, and school safety, a stronger focus on CTE and the trades, more money for the Arizona's Teachers Academy and Teach for America, and a full, complete, and accelerated restoration of flexible funding two years ahead of schedule. So how do advocates feel about his plans? You're going to hear the governor talk a lot about his 20 by 2020 plan. And I want you to remember that his plan started out as two by 22. It was gonna be a 2% raise over five years until the educators came down to the Capitol and said his vision for Arizona wasn't enough. So even those raises, part of the solution, came from educators, not from the governor. You know, what we've seen is a lot of disagreement between the Arizona Education Association, that's the teacher union, other ed ed education organizations, and do see about how to spend the state's funding on education. So Ducey has a plan to further expand the results-based funding program, which rewards school based on their school letter grades. So if it's an A school, you're gonna see more funding per pupil. Um, some have said that the results-based funding benefits wealthier schools, and the data has you know, showed that. But the governor also has a new focused funding initiative called Project Rocket. The idea is straightforward. Help struggling schools with tools, resources, and expertise to produce better results for students. Which would aim to close the achievement gap between low-income struggling schools and high-achieving schools. So there are disagreements, but I think... I, you know, a lot of people have told me they want to close the achievement gap. It's just how do you do that is often a battle. So I can remember back in 2018 when the governor was facing re-election and the Red for Ed movement was really at its peak, it seemed. Both sides came together more or less and, and struck a deal that, while imperfect, at least seemed to satisfy a lot of them. Uh, what are the next steps this time around? It just feels like we're in a very different place tonally right now. Is that going to shift or are we just headed to the ballot in November? It is. Teachers are still active. They're still protesting. Uh, you know, they were protesting at the ALEC conference, but it's a lot less active than it was in 2018. And there's a lot going on in 2020. So it, it might be hard to get as much excitement as there was in 2018. They need nearly 238,000 signatures to get this on the 2020 ballot which, you know, when you hear last year's number, or when you hear 2018's numbers, that's pretty doable. Um, so you'll likely see teachers out collecting signatures. But we're very excited because we know that we're gonna be able to go out and collect the signatures because the community helped us craft this. 
They support our educators, they support our students, and they want to create great public schools for every student in this state. Arizona is ready to invest in ed, and so are we. Said they possibly want to introduce mirror legislation, or they want to introduce legislation um, to just get this on the ballot through lawmakers. That probably won't happen. So, how for our listeners, finally, how how does this debate kind of play out with everyday people? You know, parents, grandparents, caretakers, people who are really just trying to get their kids educated um, at a at an adequate level to, you know help them go on to college or trade uh, jobs or, you know, have promising careers. Right. Arizona falls short on attainment, getting kids to go to college, um, sometimes even getting kids to finish high school. Um, It really depends on what you see in the classroom. Some schools might see, you know, teacher after teacher after teacher or big class sizes. And if Invest in Ed made it to the ballot and voters approved it, teachers would see another significant raise, and maybe that would move the needle on the teacher shortage. So if this were to pass, if the advocates got what they wanted on this, do we have a sense of where this would leave Arizona teachers in terms of their average pay or median pay? I think looking at how 20 by 2020 has affected teacher salaries is really good to think about how Invest in Ed would affect teacher salaries. 20 by 2020 raises cost the state about $644 million, you know, when this is all said and done, um, and that's on an annual basis. Invest in Ed, you know, 50% goes to teacher raises. That's about $500 million. And so with 20 by 2020, we've seen, you know, more and more teachers in that 40,000 to 50,000 average salary range um, and way fewer in the 30,000 to 40,000. So maybe you see them jump up a bracket, you know, into 50 to 60. And how about the ranking of the teacher pay as a state? Would we move toward the middle? Where, Where would all of this leave us? I think it'll be really interesting because some of those comparisons are a couple years old. It takes a while. So we're going to start to see how the 20 by 2020 raises affected our ranking. Um, Theoretically, that would bump us up and everyone expects to be bumped up in the rankings, maybe not in the middle of the pack, but other states also witness the same kind of reckoning. So that could just mean, you know, it's, it's a constant race. All right, folks, let's jump into some afterthoughts with all this. So this was something that kept the state's politics on edge throughout the summer of 2018 and had been building for months and and really was sort of piggybacking on the energy of Prop 123 in 2016. It just kind of feels like we're in a different place right now, just politically and and with popular support. It just doesn't feel like we're at a fever pitch. Lily, do you have the sense that the mood has shifted a bit? Well, I think the interest in education has gone down a little bit as a political issue with so much else. Like, there's so much else going on. Um, They sprung this announcement right before the governor's state of the state, so they're trying to build up some of that political momentum. I think a lot of people actually don't know how much cash has gone into education, which might play into a thirst for funding more. And it, it really depends on what they see in the schools. Yvonne, you were at the State House for a lot of those early days uh, when there was a lot of contentious debate around education funding and, and to see it where it is now. Um, 
walk us through the politics of this for the governor, for the legislature, and, and for education advocates? Well, this is good election year politics. If you are a Democrat, you are able to get Republicans who might traditionally be reluctant to put more money into the system after already investing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars more than um, what they already had put in it um, into the system. But you get them on the record. You can create mailers. You force votes on issues that perhaps might not otherwise get a lot of attention. I think the key here is that um, people foreseeing this conversation could risk just burning voters out on this issue altogether. Remember, they've been hearing about this since 2015. Um, it's been a consistent drum beat uh, on education funding. I think parents largely, even casual observers of politics and um, education funding, if you can be so casual as to characterize it like that, uh, know that a lot of money was put into it. Their teachers are probably a little happier than what they were a couple of years ago. And so I, you know, I, I do wonder what that burnout could look like, particularly as we head into a pretty brutal, you know, highly partisan uh, cycle um, involving, you know, a ton of people on the ballot. And we've already seen some of that weariness in local elections. In 2018, Mesa, which is the biggest district in the state, lost an override election. Other suburban districts lost their bond elections, which came to a surprise, which came as a surprise for a lot of people. Those bond and override requests are to raise local property taxes. And voters could also see one of those requests on their ballot. That's a lot. Well, Lily, thanks so much for coming on. We will be following your reporting throughout the session in particular. Listeners, be sure to follow her reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking local. Where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at Lily Alta, L-I-L-Y-A-L-T-A. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend if you would. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.